why self-love is a community service because it's our responsibility Lori you know we were just saying that every time we work on ourselves we are healing the people around us too and the more we are conscious of, of what we bring into our community the more we can create more openness for, for growth for wisdom for healing so absolutely where each of us is responsible for for that healing and and loving ourselves is definitely in that in that equation of like taking care of ourselves in order to take care of others by the way at the end of this post-traumatic growth one of the things that happens that i see all the time in my patients is that you give back to the community so when you're healing yourself and when you're growing and when you're experiencing that understanding and consciousness and you know healing those all that suffering you are also more capable to give back and i see all these people they're saying okay now that i know about me and now that i can heal i want to help others so the alcoholic becomes the mentor for other alcoholics and the sexual abuse woman becomes the one that opens the centers for other women to heal you know what i mean uh, the person that went through a divorce is the one that really gives advice and be is able to be a, a support resource for everybody else. So these are the kind of things that keep happening over and over. And I, I mean, it's beautiful to see. Amid increased global unrest, trauma is inevitable. But what happens after that? Clinical psychologist Dr. Edith Shiro developed a five-stage framework from her lifetime of study and 25 years of practice, beginning with the essential question, if trauma shatters our belief about ourself and our place in the world, how can it be a catalyst for post-traumatic growth? Dr. Shiro's connection with trauma began in her childhood and is deeply personal. As the granddaughter of Holocaust survivor and Syrian refugees, she grew up as a Jewish woman in Venezuela and lived as a Latina immigrant studying and working in the United States. These life experiences, along with her deep research and practice with survivors of torture, school shootings, domestic violence, and discrimination, with a particular focus on work with immigrants, has led her to an understanding of trauma in many ways, individual, intergenerational, cultural, and symptomatic. It's from these experiences that another foundational question arose. How is it possible that in the face of adversity, some people stay stuck while others thrive and grow? Hello and welcome. I'm Lori Hardy, and thanks for listening in as we talk with leaders. Dr. Edith Shiro is here with us today. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. She is the co-founder of the Trauma and Resilience Center. She's also the author, The Unexpected Gift of Trauma, The Path to Post-Traumatic Growth. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Very excited to be with you today. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you to this work? Absolutely. So I am a clinical psychologist and this is work on trauma. It has been really a lifelong work, not just from a professional point of view, but also from a personal in the sense that I, I am uh, the daughter and granddaughter of Holocaust survivors, of Syrian refugees. I am a Latina immigrant in the United States. I've gone not only through my personal experiences of collective trauma, but also 
uh, working really with different kinds of population like uh, Cambodian refugees, uh, torture survivors, uh, American, Latino and Central American immigrants at nine, during 9-11 in New York, working with the families that were surviving, uh, the building collapse. So I have so many ex you know, ex examples of collective. And then, of course, in my clinical work and my practice every day, the everyday kind of trauma, because I don't want to just say that trauma is those big, 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 big events, but it's the everyday kind of thing in which you go through a separation, through a divorce, in which you go through bullying, in which you have a difficult relationship with your mother, with your father, with like, a, you know, your best friend, uh, the interactions that we have every day that makes us feel like, okay, what's going on here? Uh, when we have experienced abandonment or neglect or rejection or things that we don't even recognize that are traumatic experiences. And then we come, we come to terms or we see symptoms of it. And then we say, oh, wow, you know, maybe this is a, a traumatic experience. So, it's come to me to always be super curious about how people deal with it, you know? And I've always seen different kinds of people. Some people say, I can't deal with this. And they stay in the symptomatic experience of trauma. They develop PTSD. It becomes a very lifelong, difficult uh, situation. There's other kinds of people, other groups that are uh, very resilient. So they develop there's like uh, resources and strategies and capacities to bounce back. And which, you know, you, I, resilience is the word. We all know about resilience. It's a wonderful thing. But really what I'm proposing is a third kind of groups of people, which is we take what has happened to us as an opportunity, as a, uh, as a possibility to leap forward, to bounce forward, and to not only recover, but really grow leap into something completely new and better and more evolved, more conscious, more aware that creates something else for ourselves. And that's post-traumatic growth. And that's my thing. And that's the thing I like, you know, the most. And that's my invitation for everybody to look into that. I love that. And your book covers so many topics and you already brought up one. So let's touch on this, the hidden dangers. We would never think this, the hidden dangers of resilience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And the way, the way I talk about it is that it's great and wonderful to be resilient. Uh, but this is the thing. We've used the word resilience so much in so many ways in our society these days that it's almost like we over pass over the process that it takes to really face difficult situations. So it's like this toxic optimism or this like bypass, bypass, bypass spirituality is like, no, everything is great. I'm wonderful. I don't feel anything. I can do this. I'm tough. I'm strong. I can do it. Which for some cases and some instances, it's good. And I'm all for resilience. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. This is good that we have resilience. And actually, in the process of growing, we develop resilience. But if we are not allowing ourselves to fully feel what's happening to us, and sometimes that requires becoming vulnerable sometimes it, it happens that we break in some ways that we touch rock bottom and that it does even without us wanting to that's what happens that's when you have the opportunity to grow in a very different kind of way so that's why i'm saying like yeah if you're resilient it's good but you might not get to the post-traumatic growth and that's okay too that's okay too but for this growth to happen this true transformation and transcendence to take place 
there's something there that needs to be like uh, a cracked open in some way. That is so powerful. You know, you see people, like you say, that's okay. Different people deal with it. And when I when I saw your book and I had the opportunity to interview you, I was really excited because there is so much to trauma and there's a lot to looking at it or not looking at it. So can you talk a little bit about the difference between positive positivity and toxic positivity? <laughs> yeah, so... What I mean by that is that when um, we have the tendency, when we see people that are going through grief, through loss, through difficulty, I don't know if this has happened to you, but it's happened to me and people around me say, oh, don't worry. What happened was the best thing that, you know, like, just let it go. Or why don't you move on quickly? Or you know what? It's, you know... Uh, God wanted this to happen and it's for the best or, you know, yeah. <clears throat> or, you know, let's forget about it and just like, you know, pretend, it didn't, pretend it's not there and let's just go have fun. Uh, you know, all these kinds of things that are sometimes we, we want to help other people. We want to give our family, our friends, our loved ones, our coworkers, the, this advice because we are feeling so anxious and so worried that we cannot tolerate it. So sometimes those big emotions and those big, difficult, heavy, painful emotions are not sitting well with people. So we have this positivity like, oh, no, everything is well. We're, you know, you're strong. Just be strong. Be strong and don't let it get to you. You know, those kind, that's what I mean by that toxic positivity, because it really what it does is that undermines the process and and this process is extremely important because if you don't go through it it's going to come to you no matter what because as we all know the body keeps the score and our body does remember what's going on and our body is going to remind us eventually that we're holding on to very painful things that we have not processed we have not dealt with we have not examined and we have not healed that's the thing I love that you call it a gift because we don't. <laughs> Can you talk about the paradoxes of trauma and post-traumatic growth? Yeah. I, I mean, I think one of the things that when, when I'm talking about paradox is that the thing that you might think that it's going to hurt you eventually is the very thing that is going to push you to the place, to a much better place. So, you know, we normally would think that, oh, no, if I really let myself feel the pain or the loss it's not going to be a good thing and it sounds counter counterintuitive and that's the thing that uh, we i'm suggesting to say stick with it stick with it because it's going through it that it's going to allow you to get to the other side of the tunnel of that dark tunnel there's a light on the other side but even though you think you just have to jump over it or pretend it's not there it's the very thing of like facing it and feeling it and going about it that it's going to allow you to to move forward and to go through it that's that's really one of the paradoxes that we see there you know that it's not just uh it's not just sometimes what well if we go with our intuition and we say oh no let me let me let me pretend it's not here because we want to get out of pain we don't want to walk through pain but you're saying walking through it is going to give us the best results even though it exactly. might be hard yeah one thing you talk about is culturally normalized trauma and how to address it. Yeah. So, you know, when what you just said is super important, Lori, because um, 
we all have the tendency, this is a normal human reaction to defend ourselves, ourselves from suffering, from pain, from danger. And how do we do that? I usually, you know, I say, I name the responses and, you know, you tell me which one you identify with, right? So it's the, we fight, right? We flight, we flee, we freeze, or we do this thing called fawn, which is being complacent. I mean, some people have a, we all do this, but we have a, a tendency to do one more than the other. Which one you do more? Do you have, do you know which one? Oh, you do for more? me, I, I think I am a flight. I hate to say that, but I, I, I do. I think I, <laughs> me too. I'm out of here. Me too. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah. You know, but we all have like the fighting or the fling. So fight, you know, these are trauma responses that we, that get, ignited the minute that we're in the face of danger or in the face of suffering or we want to protect ourselves so it's like oh i'm in fighting mode i'm ir ir irritable i fight with everybody i'm annoyed like Ugh, i don't like anything i get all feisty or right or i'm in fleeing mode i pretend nothing's going on i put my head under the right <laughs> and on a hole on the ground or I'm you know I'm dissociating completely from what's happening or I'm doing all kinds of things to avoid the situation right emotionally or physically or you know even run away or start watching movies all day long so I don't think about it or then or or another possibility is I freeze in such a way that I can't even make decisions I don't know what's right what's wrong if I go this way or that way I can't it becomes or I do this fun, which is I say yes to everything in order to avoid conflict and I try to please everybody and I try to be very complete. So these are responses that we constantly do as a response to trauma, as a response to pain. And we have normalized it in our culture, really, even collectively as a culture, when we say, oh, no, but that's who we are. That's how we are. This aggression or this violence it's justified. This is who we are. This is how we are. But we don't realize this is coming from a trauma place. Sorry, that this is this is coming from a place of trauma. And what we're doing is not is not being safe and not being conscious and connected in the way that we're responding to something. But we're being reactive to it, and we're reacting by defending ourselves. And that's what I mean. Like, wow, we should. You know, one of the things about our culture is to be aware of it and say, what are we doing? Are we really coming from this place of like honoring each other and, and, and ourselves and being conscious and being connected, or we are you know, reacting with defenses and saying, oh, this is, but, but everybody's doing it. Yeah, everybody's doing it, but everybody's coming from the trauma place. Yeah, that's so good because it, it's almost like we can make excuses and then we don't need to get well. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> which we do, which yeah. we do. <laughs> so, and then um, post-traumatic growth, um, some people might think it's a myth. Why is it not a myth? <laughs> yeah, because, you know, in the studies in the, in the world of psychology, some of the research that has been done on post-traumatic growth, they interview people after a trauma and they say, okay, how do you feel? And, how do you... and so people say, oh, yes, I'm great. I'm good. It's changed me. I'm good. And it shows some, sometimes that it's like just the subjective account of the person that is saying, oh, yes, I have post-traumatic growth or I, I feel better after going through trauma. And sometimes that is the case that people are just recounting their experience. But 
the true experience of post-traumatic growth is when you go through the process <clears throat> and when you go through those five stages that I talk about, that I didn't invent. I just see this in my 25 years of seeing patients and seeing groups and communities. This is what people go through over and over and over. I mean, even yesterday I was interviewing this woman that went through a divorce and she's like, wow, I never, I haven't read your book yet. I have it in my hand, but everything that you're saying about the stages, that's what I went through. And that's what I did without realizing this. And I said, of course, because this is what people go through without even realizing, because we don't have a language for that yet. And one of the purposes of my book is really to provide the language to say, oh, I'm in stage one, I'm in stage two, or yes, I can identify with what's happening right now. Or yes, I know there's more to come because these are this is the process that we go through. If people, if, that's why I'm saying like it's not a myth; it's a reality. I see it. I go through it with my patients. I go through it with me, my communities, my groups. And but it is a process. It's not a one-day event. It's not something that happens automatically right after a situation. It really requires you to be focused on it, to have an intention to heal and to grow. It takes time. And like I say to people, it takes courage. You have to be a courageous person to go through this because otherwise, you know, we can use those avoidant responses and not deal with it. That's so true. So how does post-traumatic growth protect us from further trauma? I, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing because imagine, Lori, that you go through a really difficult situation. Let's say, you know, you lose somebody, God forbid, and that, you know, you go through the pain and the loss and the, and the suffering that goes with it. And as you take charge and decide to go through the process of post-traumatic growth, you learn so many things about yourself. You learn so many things about the tools and the resources that you've developed in order to grow, in order to heal, that when you get to the other side, when you get to the, the fifth stage of post-traumatic growth, you look at yourself and you say, wow, I, I'm capable. I, I believe in myself. I, I have a stronger sense of self. So when the next event happens, which it will, because life is about you know all these events, in situations, some of them more difficult than others, you already have a sense of you being capable of facing difficulty. And you already have developed the resources and the tools to deal with that. And you already developed some resilience from that. And then you're, you have already been in a place where life becomes so much more meaningful, when your relationships are more deep and understanding when you have a clear sense of purpose and one other thing that I love talking about is that usually when you go through these stages something about developing some spirituality comes into play too and I don't mean religion at all what I mean is the sense of feeling connected with yourself and with others that you're part of something bigger that you have a higher sense of being that you have a certain wisdom universal wisdom or collective wisdom that you're part of that guides you or that you're you know that you have these moments of like mystical moments of like oh understanding why your purpose in life and your mission and these are all protective factors all of these things that i'm mentioning right now are protective factors for the next event that you have you know having stronger relationships having a stronger sense of self having more spirituality having a purpose in life it's, it's, it's a wonderful, like, you know, 
tool, you know, set of tools that you have for for the future, no? for the next thing. I love that. We are talking with Dr. Edith Shiro. Her book is called The Unexpected Gift of Trauma, The Path to Post-Traumatic Growth. An- another question before we go, the growing role of, uh, of psychedelics in post-traumatic healing, we're hearing about this more and more now? Yes. I mean, one of the things about... Uh, the, the the stages that I propose is that you can go through them in whatever way you want. I mean, you want to go through therapy and do this healing work, great. You want to do go to a retreat and go into the mountains. You want to do this with your yoga teacher. You want to, you know, have your family and friends be part of your healing process. It's all good and fine. So it, there's not one way of doing it. A lot of people, you know, use psychedelics as a way of uh, uh, becoming more aware, more conscious, expanding their consciousness so they can tap into those parts that are darker or more shadow or suffering. But in order for for understanding them, working on them, healing them and integrating them into yourself. So I'm using that as one other example of how you can heal. And now because it's in so much you know, it's in fashion and talking, you know, with the younger generations that are much more open to this possibility that plant-based medicine, it requires you to do the very thing that I'm talking about, about opening up for your greater consciousness. So the invitation is to be able to use either psychedelics or therapy or medicine or any technique that you want, but with a purpose. And the purpose is for healing, with a clear intention, with a guided support don't do not doing this on your own because i don't believe that this kind of you know process of healing can be done on our own we always need the other the healing goes in relationships in the relationship with the other and that we really heal and uh, so that's the invitation to be able to do any and choose any path that you want but choose it with a purpose and the intention to heal and in a relationship with other that you trust that you create a safe space that you know that you're that you know what you're doing and that it takes you to this beautiful you know path of healing and growth there's a quote i love by someone named alex l and she says uh, self growth is an act of community service i love that i love that <laughs> why self love is a community service because it's our responsibility lori you know what you're saying that Every time we work on ourselves, we are healing the people around us too. And the more we are conscious of, of what we bring into our community, the more we can create more openness for, for growth, for wisdom, for healing. So absolutely, where each of us are, is responsible for, for that healing and, and loving ourselves is definitely in that in that equation of like taking care of ourselves in order to take care of others. By the way, at the end of this post-traumatic growth, one of the things that happens that I see all the time in my patients is that you give back to the community. So when you're healing yourself and when you're growing and when you're experiencing that understanding and consciousness and you know healing those all that suffering, you are also more capable to give back. And I see all these people that are saying, okay, now that I know about me and now that I can heal, I want to help others. So the alcoholic becomes the mentor for other alcoholics and the sexual abuse woman becomes the one that opens the centers for other women to heal. You know what I mean? Uh, the person that went through a divorce is the one that really gives advice and be, is able to be a, a support 
resource for everybody else. So these are the kind of things that keep happening over and over. And I, I mean, it's beautiful to see. <laughs> We're talking with Dr. Edith Shiro, The Gift of Trauma, The Path to Post-Traumatic Growth. Where can we get your book? So my book, The Unexpected Gift of Trauma, is found in, on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, in the books. It's on audio. It's a Kindle. It's really everywhere and every, everywhere. If you're listening uh, from uh, outside of the United States, it's also being sold in the UK and in other countries in Europe as well. But really, go to my website, www.com drediceshiro.com drediceshiro.com you can find it there as well so really if you want to find it you'll you'll find it it's there my instagram dr edithshiro so that's that those are all places in my facebook it's really my name so go find it and get it and i can't wait to hear what you think about it and when you read it what is your impressions what moves you what talks to you so yes it's the unexpected gift of trauma so my book is called The Unexpected Gift of Trauma, The Path to Post-Traumatic Growth. Before we go, Dr. Edith, what is it you really, really want people to know? So my message is, please know that trauma is not a life sentence, that there is hope and there is a way and there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it, we can all do it if we want to. The possibility is there. Know that there's a possibility. The intention of my book is to show people there is a possibility. There is there is uh, opportunities in what happens to you. So it's hope, it's a language, it's a roadmap that we all go to this growth. We need it more, more than ever, right? We want to be more aware, more conscious to get peace into the world, to have more harmony, to have more connected. We're all interconnected. We're all part of something bigger and we're all, you know, play a part in here. So that's my intention. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Lori Hardy and thanks for listening in today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference.